and we are live and welcome to live we're episode live now. 13 episode 13 Hi, of Hello, i come from a country where the number 13 is an unlucky number so okay. all these technical glitches gosh uh, because it is episode That's number Scotland 13 or wales yes i have a strong scottish accent yeah i thought so welcome to live lunch we're episode 13 uh with joel vogo who leads an annual in brighton myself you are philip and matt simmons a special guest Today, Matt Simmons, who leads our church plant in Amsterdam, right. uh, and of course, the lovely Megan Lara Nicholas, our show producer. Welcome to the show, Matt Simmons. You've we've been messaging all week, and you've been telling me how excited you are about joining us on this on this special episode of Live Lunch uh, at Ashburnham. You're still excited. The keen eye may have noticed that <laughs> there is no lunch. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not that excited because I'm, it's this live lunch is. Yeah. I mean, this is lovely Ashburnham apple juice. It is. Joel Vogel is fasting. It, well, we all are, aren't we? Are you not, Johan? I'm stopping at McDonald's on the way back to Brighton. <laughs> well, me and <laughs> Joel are fasting. This is a McDonald's free zone right here. This is a McDonald's free zone. Um, yeah. Let's just apple quickly juice. do the preach before we juice from local start apples. talking to uh, Matt Simmons. Though I do think there is quite a lot coming together of, of what you preached on and a bit of Matt's story. Okay. Matt, isn't there, you have no idea what we can ask you, do you? you, you I'm not prepared. no idea. This is amazing. Matt I, could, I could explain what you briefed to me, but I won't. No, that would be the all of my listeners. <laughs> yeah. So, Joel, do you want to do a 30-second summary of your preach? Yeah. So, we talked about the the, uh, the opening stages of Jesus' public ministry. Um, the week before, we had talked about the, the private stage where he was, having been baptised, spending 40 days in the wilderness, being tested and tempted, and then straight away in the, the, ne- the next part of chapter four, he goes into the towns around Galilee, uh, preaching and teaching and beginning to heal the sick. And uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's kickoff time. It's like, it's all starts going big, viral, just goes out there in terms of huge Jesus movement, just kind of springs up this kind of massive grassroots Jesus movement. Just happens in northern uh, in the northern towns of Galilee, um, and it's kind of inspiring. Yeah, so that's 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 what we talked about. We talked about several other things <laughs> and how it impacts our lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We touched upon repentance. You yeah. said there's no such thing as an unrepentant mm. sinner. Okay. An unrepentant Christian. An unrepentant Christian. There's also no such thing as an unrepentant sinner. But there's an unrepentant sinner. Yeah, there's plenty there's of no that. such thing as an, un- yeah. as an unrepentant Christian. Yeah, that's true. Um, and um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's kind of the, the tone of these early um, chapters of, of, of these early stages of his, his public ministries. He's, Jesus came into the world bringing a a very clear message, a, ve- a very strong and, um, I say clear, I, I, in some ways it was it was not clear. I guess the point, it could be, a point I'm trying to make is that he, it was a demanding message. Um, uh, some people found it mysterious and, and he told stories that were, sometimes people were confused by, you know, the parables were not always uh, given so that everyone could understand all of you know, the stories explained. Actually, the stories seemed to hide things from some people at least. But the message was still clear in its call to repent, to change, to turn around, to, um, to line up, be prepared for God to turn everything upside down. And the, the kingdom he was bringing was, was one that, that turns everything upside down. It's, it's um, 
it's like he was inviting us into a, a, a completely different way of seeing things and uh, that's that's what the, his kingdom does um, and, and and so the word repent is right in there as a key a key word and and there are stories straight in there of people leaving everything to follow yeah. him yeah which leads us to Matt Simmons who left everything to come here to Ashburnham but before that <laughs> but before that you uh, you had a, a, a job in Brighton you were part of your own staff at, uh, at what was then CCK um, so the ch- you were on church staff uh, and then you felt a call to move to Amsterdam and you uprooted your five nope your four daughters mm-hmm. and your wife and you moved to Amsterdam you want to tell us a little bit about what led you to that decision, what helped you make that decision of leaving behind a church community, a stable job, your kids in school, nice home, everything, to go to a new city? Mm, yeah, I, I mean, it would be easy to, to paint a kind of uh, a, an amazing story of courage and bravery to kind of uproot and do those things. Um, because in a sense, when you, when you move country like that, it, it is a big step that affected the whole family um, uh, in many different ways you know we kind of burnt our bridges so to speak to make that move but in the end we, we I think Joe and I had come to a place where we kind of felt like well we 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 if we're going to be obedient to Jesus we we almost have to do this thing not that Jesus kind of had our arms behind our back forcing us to but in a sense of there was almost more. Well, if we if we don't do this, we're going to be missing out. You know, it was if we don't do this, we're going to be being disobedient to the, what God's led us to, where He's called us to, what He's spoken to us about. So it almost doesn't become a, a decision of courage and faith, but a very simple decision of I kind of amongst the oh good, goodness, this is going to be scary and challenging and difficult. Is I kind of want to do this because this is just clearly what God's laid before us. There's a, an adventure he has for us here that we want to step into. And very simply, I just, I want to be obedient to Jesus. And I think that's what, um, I think that that's what kind of real faithful courage often looks like is if you peel away um, the kind of big, bold stories and you really look beneath, it's, it's often very small steps of just, simple obedience and I'm just going to follow Jesus here which can often multiply up to something very great but often start way before that um, you know so for me I was 16 years old when I first felt God speak to me about doing something like this of moving somewhere new and starting a, a church um, and at 16 years old if, if a bus had kind of pulled up the next day and said right this is the church planting bus come and get on this and go i would have i would have jumped on it but i wasn't ready it took me another 17 years <laughs> for that to take place but i had to learn a kind of lots of faithful steps of obedience and there were lots of backward steps as well but the steps of just in the small things you know being faithful in a little yeah. uh, was was the lesson that we, we we had the journey that we had to we had to go on What's the one thing you would say to, let's say, a young couple who are at home uh, watching this, um, again, secure job, uh, great city that they live in, and thinking, you know, maybe this is for me, or this is something I'd like to explore. What is there something you would say? Would you say, wait for God to speak to you, or would you say, check it out? 
or, or third answer which yeah, might I, not I be guess the one or two options yeah, that I gave you secret answer number three I think would be that we it, it's very easy to, to to paint this as the glamorous risk-taking faith thing whereas I'm sure Joel would want to say and, and I would want to say for people who are already in Amsterdam that actually it's just as often just as courageous to stay and so that I guess that probably be my first question to them of you know why do you want to go you know because it, it might be actually that God's called you to stay and to build something um, and there can be a bit of a, a a dream of going on an adventure that actually isn't a godly thing but is actually they're just wanting to escape from the the, the kind of the Jonah reality of what God's called them to, mm. that there's a city already in front of them that mm. they need to serve and be mm. part of. Mm. So I think that probably would be my, my first thing would be, mm. well, what's, what's God actually said? You know? mm. um, and for all of us, you know, the place we're called to is, at least at that moment, is the place where you are right now. Um, and we can so often live in kind of the future calling and forget the, the present one. So, um, and even if God genuinely has called you somewhere in the future, then start by serving and building locally because that was your story wasn't it you got more leadership responsibility uh, at one of our sites before you moved to Amsterdam uh, yeah. and I guess that's part of of the journey that you'd ask people to get involved with with church life get stuck in start serving start leading start carrying responsibility lead by serving as you pointed out a few weeks ago I remember it was a good one serve by leading yep and serve by leading as well that's <laughs> what you also said <laughs> <laughs> but that's good um, yeah so you've been in Amsterdam for four years now? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be five years in, in the summer, yeah. And um, where you guys are on the journey, when you started off, there were four of you, five of you, and now there are... Yeah, so we, we moved, um, yeah, July 2014, and then another family from England moved 10 days later, uh, six weeks later, another family from, from Brighton, Simon Lottie Pasque, came and joined us and we joined with two other Dutch families. So we, we started off with 10 adults and 10 or 11 kids, I can't remember how it was, meeting in our apartment. Um, and just, I think three weeks ago, we had, including kids, 192 people in uh, the Vonnelkirk, which is where we meet on Sundays, which is astonishing. <laughs> really, it's just the grace of God. Um, and it's, it's humbling and exciting to see. So. And, and in many ways, I guess if you ask me and our team there, we kind of feel like we're just getting started, that uh, we don't even feel like, because people come into a room full of 180, 190 people and we look like a, an established church, but really we're not. We're still learning the ropes and there's so many other things we want to do and want to see happen. Brilliant. I've been, I've been doing church a couple of times and I've loved it. It's been, it is amazing how you, uh, I don't know if it says anything about church DNA, but um, I feel comfortable. I feel at, at home when I'm uh, at Liberty Church in Amsterdam. So thank you for starting a lovely church in Amsterdam. Uh, and I've got family. I've got I've got family and friends who now start coming along to uh, to Liberty Church after moving to Amsterdam, and they're loving it. So you're doing a great job. Great. And we are very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything you want to ask Joel whilst you have him live on Instagram? Put him on the spot, ask him awkward questions. <laughs> you can no. put me on the spot. No, no, <laughs> no, he doesn't. Can you, you can see that there's, there's nothing. Nope. 
uh, on the way uh, Megan and I drove up from from Brighton with uh, the lovely Ben Watson who's behind the camera um, you you had some insights into the preacher you said you'd like to share uh, the story about your family um mm. so can you hear me well cool um Joel was speaking about um about kind of giving up everything and um following God and I when he was speaking about it I was it's like, oh my gosh, have I actually done that? Have I given it all up? And I was asking God in that moment. And then he then went on to talk about, um, you know, leaving your family if, if that's necessary. And um, yeah, I then burst into tears in the middle of the preach because uh, it reminded me of how it's been really hard for me over the past few years to, to know that my parents um, aren't supportive of a Christian faith, yet I'm still walking in this faith. And I think that, that was good in that moment to, for you to actually say that particular thing about family. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, God has already answered that question that I just asked him. Mm. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, mm. kind of from that, how do you know if you've committed your life to God? Are there any kind of like... Yeah, it's... it's um, I, I think... How how would you answer that? I think there's a there's a danger of overly checking ourselves up on that. Actually, mm. that that we we um, we can end up being so obsessively concerned with have I or haven't I sufficiently given my life to God? Um, um, taking so much of our time thinking that through that we've not. We've not actually understood that, that it's him who's given himself for us. In, in fact, it's, it's, it's possible to sort of, um, it's, it's a strange thing because we, we, we don't want to take away from the, the, the call for people to devote themselves to God wholeheartedly. That's, that's so important. It's obviously what, what, what we're teaching and preaching. Um, but it's in the context of the fact that Jesus himself gave himself to obey the Father completely and perfectly on our behalf. He did it fully and wholeheartedly. He gave himself to the Father's will and, and he did it um, to the point of laying his life down for us, to the point of dying for us. He, he gave himself to God and uh, he did that as our representative. And so actually... It's, it's probably necessary, at least in, in some of our dis decision-making about, I want to make, devote myself, sacrifice everything to God, to remember we're never going to out-sacrifice Jesus. We're never going to be more devoted to him than, than, than his son was on our behalf. And that, that, I think, protects us from becoming maybe morbid about it or um, overly introspective about it and kind of questioning am I am I sufficiently devoted to God well to be honest in one sense probably none of us are um, all of us have a, a, a tendency to, to have other things allowed to take up our you know to too much of our time or of, of our of our hearts um, but that's why we have Jesus and he's he's he, and actually my 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 devoting myself to God ultimately will happen because I see stuff in him. I see in him things that draw out worship and draw out devotion and make me want to yield myself to him more whole, wholly. Um, 
And so we, we, we actually do well to stop and reflect more often on how he's, Jesus yeah. devoted himself to the Father for us. Um, and that will set us free from it becoming a, a, an introspective thing mm. um, and something that robs us of our peace and robs us of our joy. Um, does that make sense? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. I found that that a, a lot of... I remember our friend Glenn Scrivener writing a poem that he, he, he writes these ex, extremely smart kind of poems that, that communicate powerfully uh, on, on particular themes. Over the years, he's done so many... But he wrote one uh, called, I, I think it starts with a line, I gave myself to Jesus, or I gave my life to Jesus about a thousand times, and that, or a million times. He talks about the number of times he was, as a young man, almost trapped into a cycle of giving himself to Jesus. And he was so wanting to be devoted to Jesus, it became a, a sort of an obsessive thing, which actually stopped him from seeing how good Jesus is. Yeah. It became He became almost a hero of his own story so he needed to kind of uh be free from that and and see um see, see that jesus is the one that's devoted and it means like i say when we when we do that when we see things like that it will draw from us a freedom in our devotion mm-hmm. um and because uh, the person that's saying i i, I want to follow you. these guys andrew peter james and john in, in matthew chapter 4 it just says immediately they followed him and it's just fascinating that's a pattern really generally across the new testament atmosphere of uh, can i come i want to come yeah so it's interesting talking about matt with this um uh for some people the call is to stay you know it's interesting one of the um the people that jesus heals is is uh is this this guy who's 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 uh terribly afflicted with evil in, a, in, in living in a graveyard on the other side of the sea Jesus comes and heals him sets him free and he he says can I come with you can I come can I come where are you going can I come? I want to leave town I want to go and Jesus says no <laughs> you, you stay you stay where you are like Matt said some people actually for many of us perhaps for most of us the call is to stay where we are he tells the guy that you stay where you are and, and tell the village about me tell the town where you live about me but the reason I mentioned that story in this context is because his his attitude is so revealing. He want the people the person that's met Jesus is drawn to follow him, and they need to be called to repent. They need to be called to lay their lives down. They need to have a clear teaching on the kingdom. But I don't think it's normal in the Bible for that to result in years and years of of anxiety. Have I really surrendered? Have I? really surrendered we you know we sing there's a lot of our songs that we sing like even though we sounds at, at emmanuel at new england site i surrender all i surrender all and those those are good songs because they, they make the point clear but my my only fear when we sing those songs if we sing them too much we can make it so much about our mm. the, the worship times have i really surrendered no, i need to see more of how good jesus is and that that draws a surrender from me which is a which is a joyful thing yeah Really good. Hmm. I guess one last question before we we wind up. One of the things you said is all Jesus desires is a desire for Him. Well, that's all. Well, I'm um, You said the the only thing you need to follow Jesus is your need, hmm. and it's if that's your attitude, God can do anything with you. I guess my is a, is a practical question. How do you cultivate a need for God in your life? Or how do you, in some ways, put to death ambition or desire? Oh, I guess you. The same. Really, my question is, how do you, how do I cultivate 
a need for God on a regular basis. But I kill myself and die for myself and my ambition and say, Jesus is you that I need in this yeah. So, yeah. I guess part of it is the natural journey of discovering our our weaknesses and discovering that there's that we're not as impressive as we we'd like to be or as we thought we were, and we can um, fail to use those as opportunities. When I get reminded by circumstances and experiences, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Um, that's actually an opportunity for me to grow because it's a reminder of my need and it's it's healthy to to make use of that rather than to um, uh, to sort of um, try and deny it and try and justify myself. I guess as well, I think anything that creates in us a hunger for his kingdom, Jesus is, is, is actually calling for, looking for a desire and a need in us for him and for his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you. Now, the reality is the kingdom of God is, is pretty much the king himself. It's knowing the king, it's having him in our lives. But to get inspired enough to desire the kingdom, I think there are things that we can, that we can use to, to inspire ourselves. I mean, how, how many of us um, are, are, are as inspired as we could be if we read some of the stories of what God's been doing in, in other generations and other times. If we read about extraordinary outbreaks of his kingdom um, that have happened in history or in recent time, or even things that have happened in our lives in years gone by, to, to hunger after the kingdom and hunger after the king it's worth drawing to mind, calling to mind. So in the Psalms, it talks about, we will call to mind your mighty works. Uh, you, you, you kind of remind yourself, Lord, I, I've seen what you've done before. I've seen what you've done before. When you start to remind yourself of the mighty things God has done, yeah. it, will, it should stir you to be able to desire him above anything. Say, like, God, I want to see you do this again in my generation. And God will use the weaknesses in our lives and the stories of his breakthrough in previous times to inspire us. Do you quickly have any books that you could recommend people get their hands on? Yeah, I guess I would, I, now that you ask me, I think any books that inspire people to seek the kingdom of God, I, I guess examples of stories, that I mean, for me, some of the best ones are people people who actually the, the books you have to hunt down <laughs> because they're they're not always in print anymore but but stories of gr mighty men and women who achieved things by seeking the kingdom of god first and praying uh you know i know i name the same people nearly all the time people like james fraser people like james hudson taylor uh people like isabel kuhn people like um just just extraordinary people from, from many of them from previous generations but their, their stories are inspiring um, just some re people from for who, who like George Whitfield in the UK, people like John Wesley, people who did extraordinary things, people like Charles Spurgeon. Um, the, these books stir you to prayer, they stir you to desire God, they stir you to, to take God seriously and press in. Books, books like The Circle Maker by, by Mark Batterson, which is a completely different book, in a, and it's kind of a, it's, it's a very it's full of stories that inspire and inspire you to pray hopefully and, and to press through in hope and prayer for God to break in brilliant thanks so much thanks so much Matt for joining us no yeah thank you we will be back next week maybe at Oasis